Well, good afternoon and welcome to a very special live presentation of Roadmap to Heaven on the Road from the Diocese of Peoria in Illinois. I am Adam Wright. So happy to be with you on this Monday, May 8th, which, well, why are we broadcasting live? Today would have been the 128th birthday of Venerable Servant of God, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, and we are so happy to be broadcasting live from the Fulton Sheen Museum at the Spalding Pastoral Center in the Diocese of Peoria. Let's begin our broadcast with a prayer. And since we have with us Monsignor Jason Gray, who is the executive director of the Archbishop Sheen Foundation, uh, Monsignor, I think if I could ask you to lead us in prayer, that would sure. be wonderful. Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, we ask your blessings upon us. Help us to be witnesses uh, to your love. Uh, following the example that's given to us by the Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen, may we also live the gospel intensely in our lives. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, again, we are coming to you live from the Fulton Sheen Museum in the Spalding Pastoral Center in the Diocese of Peoria. And as we just said, Monsignor Jason Gray is with us. He is the executive director of the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Foundation. Now, on the off chance that you listen to Catholic media, Catholic radio here, which, as the uh, the good archbishop said, is like the Old Testament, hearing the word without seeing, um, and you don't know who Archbishop Sheen was, well, we have to talk about that today sure. because uh, I, I feel like, Monsignor, we're, we're standing in, in the presence of giants, and I am but just a short man with no experience in media compared to this wonderful, uh, wonderful holy man. So who was Archbishop Sheen? Sure. I, I think one of the things that people know the most about uh, in terms of his reputation is his uh, presence on television. So he would, we could really say he was the first televangelist. Don't hold that against him. I'm not sure people would think as highly of televangelists today, but he was really the trailblazer in that in that sense. But one, one of the problems, though, is that uh, this his time on television was now getting on to 70 years ago. And, uh, and this is something that a lot of times, you know, only the, uh, the old timers will really have a, an experience of. So it's important for us to really reintroduce uh, Fulton Sheen to, to people as well. So before, when I was growing up, it would be like um, Oral Roberts or Jimmy Swagger. But, but first and foremost was, was Fulton Sheen. He was someone who used uh, television uh, and before that used radio to proclaim the gospel. Uh, he was uh, someone who was ordained as a priest for the Diocese of Peoria. And so he was just before the turn of the century. Uh, he was ordained, served as a, as a priest briefly in Peoria, but went on to uh, studies and was quite an accomplished uh, scholar. He taught at Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. for many years and had a radio program called the Catholic Hour, which he uh, ran for a couple decades. Uh, but then it was in 1950, in the 1950s, that he was chosen to be a bishop. He became an auxiliary bishop in New York and started the famous show, Life is Worth Living. So for six years, uh, for almost seven, for six seasons, he ran the, uh, that program, which was very popular. It was viewed by so many people. Uh, throughout the nation, and he ran up against, as the stories will tell, people people know these famous stories about him going up against Milton Berle. Um, if any of the young people remember <laughs> who Milton Berle is, but I, I, but um, the uh, but and he would even outperform him. So that's uh, he was recognized for the the talent that he had, uh, winning an Emmy even, which is really something amazing to think about uh, for someone who is a theologian and a bishop, um, uh, drawing such crowds and and being um, such a source of inspiration for so many people. 
but when that show ended, he continued on uh, doing the work that he had. He participated in the Second Vatican Council, and for three years he was a bishop of a diocese. He was served in Rochester before he retired and then spent the last 10 years of his life um, uh, in a time of, of prayer and continuing to give uh, retreats and talks and writing books. But in all of these things, I think sometimes his uh, public persona is really known for the work he did on television. But it's important to know that this is a man who is truly an apostle. He really had the, the heart of an apostle, a man of tremendous integrity, a man of great humility, and he was someone who knew the Lord. And one of the things that guided his life, and not just when he was on television, but was an intense desire to, to bring people to know Jesus as he knew him. And that was something that was the fruit of an intense life of prayer for Fulton Sheen. Now, I, I know that there are many stories we could tell. We could fill up several hours of yeah. broadcast with stories. I, I want to start with one when he was a young boy here in the Diocese of Peoria. And when I used to train the altar servers, I always mm -hmm. had this story at the ready because we think, you know, Here's a holy man we're called to imitate. Surely he made no mistakes. He, he was the perfect model of what it means to be uh, a priest. And, and, and he certainly would never do anything to mess up while making a mistake. And that's where we're incorrect because there's, there's a funny story about when he was serving for the bishop. Yeah. I was wondering if you could share that with our listeners. He was, uh, he was born in El Paso, which is a very small town. But then early on, uh, around the age of five, he came to Peoria. And so his parish was the cathedral parish. And so... Uh, the chance not only to be a server, but then to serve for the bishop. That's not something every server gets a chance to do, but for, for our founding uh, bishop, uh, Bishop Spalding, uh, this, he was able to serve Mass, and they're in the cathedral with nice marble floors. Uh, servers come in, and they do exactly what they're supposed to do. And clumsy hands sometimes can happen when it comes to the little, little boys who are serving. Well, he dropped one of the cruets. And so the story is that this, the uh, cruet fell, and it didn't only fell. It didn't only fall, but it made a cataclysmic noise that echoed throughout the entire cathedral, and it was a source of great embarrassment there. But the, uh, the, but the bishop was, uh, was very kind, and, um, and, it was, and he said some very comforting things to, to Sheen, not only, not only did he not scold him for what was just an accident, but he also spoke to him about the fact that he would, in fact, be a priest one day, and not only that, but a bishop, um, and, that, and he even um, spoke about where he would study, uh, studying in Belgium at, at, the, um, at the Louvain University. Um, and how bishops of, um, how Bishop um, uh, Spalding knew this at the beginning, I have, to, I, have to, I have to keep my Cardinal Spellman and my Bishop Spalding very separate because Cardinal Spellman is a total other part of the story of Fulton Sheen. But um, how, the, uh, how the bishop knew that at the time or what inspired him to say that, we don't know other than just the Holy Spirit was at work. Now, we know that you normally don't go from being an altar server to having your own television program or, or radio hours. So at a certain point, he hears that calling to the priesthood. He goes to seminary. He's ordained a priest. And I, I can't imagine that his first assignment was on his ordination day, opening the envelope, now go start a radio program. Tell us about yeah. his first years in the priesthood. He, well, after he finished the regular seminary studies that he had. He, was, he also went out for further studies, and he did, as we mentioned, um, he went to Belgium and, uh, and also studied in France uh, for a period of time and earned these fantastic degrees, um, kind of very specialized degrees that are uh, very rare for someone to attain, attain that level of academic performance. And he, so he comes back to the diocese, and he's ready to take up a, a position for teaching, which really was, was what he was prepared for. But the bishop at the time then assigned him to be 
a parochial vicar, so to be an assistant at a parish. He served at St. Patrick's in Peoria. Um, he was there for a little less than a year, and it was an important time that he did that. Um, the bishop wanted to test his obedience, essentially. And what was remarkable about Fulton Sheen was not that he was a capable man who could uh, present himself in the classroom and then eventually in using media, but uh, he was just as effective serving in a parish as he was in the classroom or in front of the television camera. Um, so he was someone who preached very well and drew souls to Christ and was known for his pastoral zeal and the energy that he brought to that assignment. And that really is a remarkable thing. That's quite a testament to Fulton Sheen to be able to say that. And that, there's a story I've heard that the bishop did say that to him. I just wanted to test your obedience. Yeah. Now you can go mm-hmm. and do these things that you've wanted to do. So how, do, how does that happen? How does a, a man who has a love for our Lord, he's ordained a priest, he loves to study, he's an academic, end up with a radio program? Well, the, that, that, is, a, that is an interesting story. They, when, um, because he was known for his scholarship and uh, for his teaching, he, he started off with a Catholic radio program where he was speaking about the Catholic faith. And I think my understanding of the Catholic hours, it really was targeted toward Catholics. And so it was the idea of strengthening Catholics in the faith, so be, bringing the message about Catholicism and explaining the Catholic faith to, to Catholics. What was interesting, though, and for me is that he made the transition from the radio program, the Catholic Hour, to the television, to Life is Worth Living, which was really a much broader audience. And that was not a program that was aimed only at Catholics. In fact, the stories that are circulated, uh, we'll talk about how this was must-see TV, as we would say today, um, and not just simply among Catholics, but even among Protestants, among Jews, people who were, who would just, he was just such a fascinating man to listen to. And one of the things that he did, which I think stood out, is he was really so well-read um, he was a man of, of great curiosity about science, about history, about psychology, and certainly his knowledge of philosophy. And so he would bring these elements into the program when he would present and, and Life is Worth Living. And I think that's a way he used um, infor- everything that you could learn in the world can be helpful for drawing souls to Christ. And he did that. So he used all of those things as a key to bring people in to recognize an eternal truth. And through this, he taught them about Jesus. And, and with a very remarkable gift to be personable. And, you know, it, Having watched episodes of Life is Worth Living, uh, it it felt like you were in the study with him. You know, he had his chalkboard, he had his bookcases. Um, It it wasn't so rigidly academic that I felt like I was tuning into a lecture, but he he comes across just with this enormous personality, with with the biggest highs and the low, you know, the quietest moments as well. Um, And it's truly a gift for evangelization in that regard. And this was more than just that he he was, obviously he was very intellectually gifted. And so as an academic, he was skilled, and, and certainly the number of books he wrote is a testament to that. But he also was very personable, and that, and that skill that he had. So he was, in many ways, was a public speaker, really, at heart. And, uh, and that was something that definitely emerged in his presentations. That's absolutely wonderful. So then, I, as we sit here in the museum, directly across from us, there's a quote on the wall. I did not retire. I retreaded. I took on another line of work. And that's probably an area that, that I think of as well um, in this age where, you know, I grew up with DVDs and whatnot. I, I want to say the first long exposure I had to Archbishop Sheen was one of his Good Friday sermons that was videotaped and then later put on DVD. Tell us a little bit about after the, you know, after the radio, after the television, because we all have a lot of access to that through digital media, but we don't have access so much to what a man does when he goes yeah. off the air. 
The uh, one of the things that happened after finishing that work, he he had been engaged so much in promoting promoting the work of the missions, and that was something that he, he did for so many years, and that continued on up until the point when he became bishop of Rochester. So certainly, care for the needs of the church throughout the world, um, that was an important part of his work, even when he wasn't in the direct limelight of the television camera. But also, he participated in all of the sessions of the Second Vatican Council, and one of the things that was remarkable about that is that's where he also would have met someone by the name of. Carol Wotiwa. And so the future Pope John Paul II was someone who knew Sheen, who was an, an expert, uh, who was a paritas, as they called it. Or, so he was um, an expert at the um, participating in the Second Vatican Council. And so seeing the, the fact that the two of them established at least some relationship, which was borne out later, because when John Paul II did come and visit uh, New York, he called for Sheen, so he wanted to see him. But, uh, but then um, Bishop Sheen did spend three years as Bishop of Rochester, which was a very difficult time. And the quote that you mentioned, that I did not retire, I retreaded, was uh, something that he said when he finished his time in Rochester. So um, it was a very difficult time. It was a very difficult assignment for him. It was a change from lecturing and speaking and being an orator to now being an administrator of a diocese. And it was at that time when he stepped down as a diocesan bishop that his life, though, was not over. He, In many ways, we could say he went back to what was his first love in speaking and giving retreats and in writing books. And there you can really see that's where his heart was because he was quite prolific even in those last 10 years of his life. Now I want to wrap up with this because it, when, in one of the display cases nearby are replicas of the packages, the many packages mm -hmm. that were sent to Rome to the Congregation for the Causes of Saints as part of the investigation. And uh, one quick anecdote um, that was shared with me earlier, when Bishop Jenke, now retired Bishop of Peoria, went to Rome and presented some of these things to uh, the late Pope Benedict. Mm -hmm. Pope Benedict recalled meeting Archbishop Sheen during the work of the Second Vatican Council. Yes, he well. also would have been there. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, we refer to him as venerable servant mm -hmm. of God. There's a lot going on there. Uh, what are we talking about for our listeners who aren't familiar with the process of canonization? Sure. Uh, I worked in the congregation for a while, so this is a very dangerous question to answer. I will try to be brief. Okay. <laughs> but uh, when, when a cause is open, when someone's interested in promoting someone uh, to be blessed or to be a saint, the first thing that has to happen is an intense investigation has to go into the entire life of the person involved, uh, into their martyrdom if they died a martyr, or into their heroic virtues um, in, in the case of Fulton Sheen. So all of his virtues had to be examined, all the elements of his life, everything that he wrote, um, all of these had to be gathered together and submitted for the judgment of the congregation and then eventually for the Holy Father. When that is um, complete and when they say this is a man of heroic virtue and his heroic virtue has been proven and established, that's when the title of venerable is given. And then we're just awaiting one miracle who's once that's approved then you can move to beatification one more miracle and move to canonization so when we talk about uh you know people that we should imitate their virtue mm -hmm. if we want to grow in holiness we want to follow that baptismal calling we receive to become a saint god willing one day um by calling him venerable servant of God, the church is essentially saying, yes, this is a man you can look to and say, we can say he is a good example to follow, mm -hmm. um, even though we don't call him blessed or saint at this point in time. When, when a person is beatified, then they are really held up for imitation, meaning that we can imitate their example, and that's a sure example, a sure way to follow to uh, get to heaven, and also for their intercession, that we, we can turn to them in prayer and we ask them to pray for us. The fact that uh, Fulton Sheen is named venerable means that his heroic virtues have been proven 
proven, so he is an example that we should look to. But we do await the church's final confirmation through beatification to propose him then for public veneration. Wonderful. Well, Monsignor Gray, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. We are going to take a very quick break here on our broadcast. When we come back, we are going to be joined by a special guest, the Bishop of the Diocese of Peoria. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to a very special Roadmap to Heaven live in Peoria, Illinois, for the 128th birthday of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. We will be back after this. Lovely lady dressed in blue, teach me how to pray. God was just your little boy. Tell me what to say. Did you lift him up sometimes, gently on your knee? Did you sing to him the way mother does to me? Did you ever try telling him stories of the world? And, oh, did he cry? Do you think he cares if if I tell him things? Just little things that happen. And do angels' wings make a noise? Can he hear me if I speak low? Does he understand me now? Tell me, for you know. Lovely lady dressed in blue, teach me how to pray. God was just your little boy, and you know the way. Consecration to Mary My queen and my mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you, I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, as I am your own, keep me, guard me, as your property and possession. Amen. And welcome back to another very special episode of Roadmap to Heaven live from Peoria, Illinois, on this 128th birthday of Venerable Servant of God, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. I'm Adam Wright, and we are very happy to be joined now by the current bishop of the Diocese of Peoria, Bishop Louis Tilka. Bishop Tilka, it's so good to be back here in Peoria with you. It's good to have you back here. So we are talking about Archbishop Sheen today, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it's great to think about a man that we know so much about, pretty much uh, right here from the heart of mid-America in uh, central, northern central Illinois. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Diocese of Peoria that we're broadcasting from today. Sure. Diocese of Peoria covers the uh, 26 counties in north central Illinois. We like to call ourselves the heart of Illinois. Uh, we go from the Indiana border on the east all the way to the Mississippi River on the west. We're the largest land diocese in the state of Illinois. We have roughly uh, 17,000 square miles. We have 156 parishes, 157 churches, as well as a number of Newman centers and other places. Um, It's a great, great diocese, uh, a lot of uh, agriculture. So we like to say there's more corn and soybeans than there are people. Um, But uh, there is a great population, Catholic population across the diocese, as well as our our, uh, urban centers of Champaign, Bloomington, Normal, Peoria, and the Quad Cities. Uh, and so uh, we got a number of universities as well with great Newman programs. So it's a great place. That's wonderful to hear. Now, you've been at the helm for a little over a year now, correct? correct? Uh, what are what are you seeing as the priorities for the diocese? I, I saw a nice banner when I walked in here <laughs> outlining <laughs> somewhat of a vision. Sure. So when I came to the diocese, uh, my welcome tour uh, started with conversations with our priest to get to know the diocese and what they saw as some of our priorities, uh, followed up with uh, another 
round of uh, conversations with uh, the lay faithful. Uh, in fact, uh, we were almost done with all of those when the Holy Father announced the Synod on the Synod, so we were kind of ahead of the game. Uh, but after listening to folks um, and their experience of the church and their faith and where they see our opportunities and challenges are, we outline what we call our five foundations for uh, renewal uh, for the future, uh, centering on discipleship, evangelization, um, the Eucharist at the center of our lives, uh, vocations, and uh, obviously the legacy of our, our native son, Venerable Fulton Sheen. Uh, we've also begun a process with that to uh, really look at ourselves and recognizing the challenges we face today. The demographics across our diocese have changed dramatically, uh, as they have in, in many parts of the country. Um, and so, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're mission-driven and vibrant for the future. Uh, so we're in a pastoral process, uh, planning process, that over the next uh, year and a half, we're going to uh, discern where it is the Lord's calling us to make sure that we're putting our resources in the right places. That's exciting to hear. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about these things, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the upcoming Eucharistic Revival. Well, yes. actually, we're in the heart of the Eucharistic Revival, yes. this yes. three-year period. And I think of uh, Archbishop Sheen's death. I mean, in mm-hmm. his chapel, a man who loved our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament so much, and he was in prayer in his chapel. And, you know, honestly, if I'm thinking uh, of places, we all have to die eventually. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad place to die. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, the, the good news is, is the Lord is truly present to us in the Eucharist. Um, when we celebrate Mass or when we come to adoration. Um, and so uh, knowing how real uh, and, and, and what a grace-filled moment it is to celebrate the Mass and to um, be in, in adoration uh, is one thing, but also to know that the Lord is always with us. So no matter where we are, right. the Lord's going to accompany us. Now, one of the things we're very happy to talk about today and excited to talk about is really the, the message and the legacy of mm-hmm. Archbishop Sheen. Monsignor Gray shared with us a, a little bit of his biography and his life. And I think of this this digital age where mm-hmm. anyone with a computer and a microphone can have a podcast. Sure. Anyone with a computer, a microphone, and a camera can have a YouTube channel sure. and, and whatnot. Uh, it's, it's easy to find a platform. It's difficult to have a message. And yet to this day... Uh, 66 books mm-hmm. that Archbishop Sheen wrote, many of those messages still resonate today. What are some of those legacies that we should be paying attention to? Well, I think, first off, the, the legacy to pay attention to is the fact that here was a man who devoted himself to the Lord and his church uh, and wanted to bring the gospel to others. We might use the term encounter today. Uh, we, we, he wanted people to encounter the love of Jesus in a very powerful way. And that's that's got to be the primary legacy uh, that we want to hold on to. Um, you know, I, I think the other reality is that uh, when we look at his life um, and the ways in which he presented the gospel, uh, there was just so much uh, richness. Um, you know, I heard as you were talking with Monsignor Gray, you know, he, he was big, made things accessible, relatable. Um, and I think that's really important as well, you know, to be able to relate the gospel to our d- everyday life, uh, to have it speak to us in our time today. You know, you, you mentioned he wrote 66 books. Uh, I've only read four. <laughs> um, You're two ahead of me. So. <laughs> um, and, and actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not even finished with two of them, but I, I read uh, a little each day. Uh, you know, for, for the first time as bishop in uh, three weeks, I'll ordain priests. Um, and so uh, as part of my preparation, trying to make sure I give a good homily on the day of ordination, I've been reading his book, A Priest is Not His Own. 
Um, and, uh, you know, there's just so much great wealth and insight into the life and ministry of a priest in that book. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that struck me is in one of the chapters he writes, and I'm going to paraphrase, he basically says, you know, that uh, the gospel stays the same, but the way we present the gospel is different. We have to adapt it to each time and trade uh, each time, uh, and 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 the world we live in. And, and I think that's a great legacy to understand as well. Is is that we're still trying to teach those eternal truths, but the manner in which we teach those e- eternal truths have to adapt to the time and the culture uh, and the world we're living in today. It makes me wonder if if he were still with us and still on television, if he would continue to use the chalkboard or I mean, find you know. <laughs> well, I, I think he read, I think they call them smart boards now in <laughs> schools, uh, you know, and uh, I think like you can even write on it; it translates into the computer or something in that. But uh, yeah, he would certainly I think be using every means possible. He'd probably have his own Twitter feed. What does it mean to you as bishop of the diocese to have this cause that, you know, there is a native son Mm -hmm. of Peoria, a priest of this diocese who, as we just learned, is venerable servant of God. And God willing, uh, who knows, we we may be referring to him as blessed, Mm -hmm. Fulton J. Sheen, or or one day possibly saint. What what does that mean to you as the bishop? Well, it's it's, uh, very humbling to know um, that this remarkable servant of the Lord who uh, really, in, in his life, um, helped so many others encounter Jesus in their life. Uh, it's, it's very humbling to, to be in, in the diocese that he came from um, and to, in some ways, uh, try to promote and uh, um, push forward his, his legacy. Uh, I like to say, because literally on the day that I was named bishop, um, I saw that I was now inheriting the cause of a saint. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, if it wasn't overwhelming enough to know that I was going to become a bishop, to be now the promoter of a cause of a saint uh, was, was that much more daunting. Um, but I, I, and I get asked, when am I, the Bishop of Peoria, going to make Fulton Sheen a saint? And uh, I know that I don't have that authority. Um, so my response to that has always been from the start, is that I I cannot make him a saint, although I believe he should be. Uh, But what I can do is I can promote his legacy, and I'll do everything I can to do that. And so uh, as I've come to the diocese and begun to uh, learn about his life, learn about his his, the the way he he spread the gospel, the way he was so innovative in in using radio and TV, uh, I look at those things, and I think he is certainly the example, uh, an example for us to really... Uh, try to emulate today. And, and so we push forward with the legacy. And, you know, as much as possible, we pray and, and do our work to promote the cause as well. Yeah. I was thinking this morning as we were uh, loading the car to come up here about that uh, question, you know, and, and, and God knows the answer to it. Mm-hmm. Will will we ever be able to call him uh, Blessed or, or St. Fulton Sheen? And I thought to myself, you know, if I was, if someone asked me the question, would you rather be a saint or a canonized saint? I'd, I'd just settle for saint because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're mm-hmm. in the beatific vision of our Lord, what else matters? Well, you might have been listening to my homily for confirmation this time around because uh, I've been talking about the fact that we're all called to be saints, right? And irregardless of whether the church ever officially declares you a canonized saint of the Roman Catholic Church, it doesn't matter. What matters is whether or not we've lived the holy life that God has called us to, that we've become the saint that Jesus wants of us. And if we're a saint in the eyes of Jesus, 
then it doesn't matter what the church says. Wonderful. Well, uh, Bishop Tilka, we do need to take a very quick break here for Station IDs, mm-hmm. but I'd like to talk more about that legacy. When we come back, you're listening to Covenant Network, a very special live roadmap on the road from the Fulton Sheen Museum in Peoria, Illinois. We will be back after this. Prayer in a Time of Waiting All-powerful and ever-living God, guard our churches, our homes, our schools, our hospitals, our factories, and all the places where we gather. Deliver us from harm and peril. Protect our land and the peoples from enemies within and without. Grant an early peace with victory founded upon justice. Instill in the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere a firm purpose to live forever in peace and goodwill toward all. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, we are back. This is a very special live broadcast on this Monday, May 8th, what would have been the 128th birthday of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. I'm Adam Wright coming to you live, and I'm talking with Bishop Louis Tilka of the Diocese of Peoria about this well, we've been saying venerable, but just as wonderful servant of God and, and jubilant and lively. And uh, Bishop Tilka, we think of the title of his television program, Life mm-hmm. is Worth Living, and you and I have been talking about the, the legacy of Fulton Sheen. Um, that's one that especially, as we look at our culture here in the United States, uh, you know, we're th- three years now after uh, all of our lives changing dramatically. But I think even before 2020, when the, the world got turned upside down, you could see a lot more despair entering mm-hmm. into the culture in the United States. And um, that message, life is worth living, uh, there, there was another thought I had driving up. How many times, as someone who believes in the gospel, in the, the hope of the gospel, and the joy of the gospel, do I unintentionally adopt that mindset of life is worth struggling through, <laughs> life, <laughs> life is worth suffering, but, you know, I, I forget that life is worth living. Mm-hmm. And, and what's that message for us? Well, you know, the life is a sacred gift from God. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, very... Um, sad to see the reality of the world today in which many people don't understand or appreciate that gift and the sacredness of the gift of life that God gives to us. Um, And especially as we go through uh, our lives and we face many challenges, um, you know, the Lord never promised that our life was going to be easy. He promised he would be there with us. He sent us the Holy Spirit to be our companion and our guide and our helper along the way. Um, and yet, you know, we live in, in a world where, uh, despite the fact that uh, we feel that we or believe that we're much more connected because, you know, our cell phones and our, mm-hmm. our uh, social media accounts and, and the Internet and, and, you know, we, we have information uh, at our fingertips, literally. Um, and and we, f- we can, in a sense, contact anybody in the world instantaneously. Uh, whether or not they respond is another another reality, but we so we feel that we're connected, and yet what we what we experience more and more is how disconnected we are because we don't connect through a device. We connect through a relationship, um, and we need people in our lives uh, to be close to us. Uh, we need our friends. We need our family. Uh, we need to know people care about us, um, and that doesn't happen through a text or a tweet or an email. It only happens when we are really next to somebody, physically present to them. You know, I think of all the different situations that we face and, you know, w- w- what matters most, right? If we we, we know somebody who, who loses somebody, somebody dies, you know, 
uh, we are, almost every situation of that, when that happens, people will say, well, I don't know what to say. But what matters is you showed up. Right. You went, to, you went to the wake and you gave the person a hug. And that's all that mattered. It made the biggest difference because we were present to them. Um, not just by, you know, texting, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, but to really sit there and be with, with somebody. To sit and share a meal. Um, to, to take a walk with somebody. Um, to pick up the phone, you know, and, and that's certainly not the best way, but at least to have hear somebody else's voice as opposed to just reading and trying to interpret how the text came through on our phone. Um, you know, people need to be in relationship, and ultimately the relationship they need to be with is the relationship with Jesus Christ. It, you know, Jesus is not an idea. He's not just some theological premise. He's a person. Right. And he wants to be in relationship with each and every one of us, and we need to be in that relationship. I, w- I was thinking as you were saying that about uh, rote prayer and, and how much mm-hmm. I love rote prayer because there are times, especially I, I don't necessarily know the words and that's a very good thing, but we're called to even a deeper form of mental prayer and, mm-hmm. and that precisely is that relationship. And I was thinking back to some of the sermons I've watched, some of the homilies I've watched Archbishop Sheen give and even his television right. program, that that really was, it wasn't an academic exercise as much as we joke about the chalkboard right. and all of the lessons. It was about leading us to go deeper into relationship and uh well then he even he even demonstrated that you know he he invites us you know in his reflections and that about making a holy hour right to just sit in in front of the blessed sacrament you know i do that every morning i i get up and i i make my cup of coffee and i head to the chapel and um you know i spend most mornings at least an hour in prayer you know and part of it's rote i pray the bravery um you know and and yet a, a good part of it is just mental prayer. It's sitting there knowing that the Lord is there in front of me in the tabernacle. Um, it's sitting there and, and bringing to mind the, the things that are weighing on my heart, um, the decisions I have to make. And sometimes it's just sitting there waiting and listening for the Lord to speak because he's got an agenda that is much more important than mine. Um, and so taking that time, again, it's being in that relationship and, and having that encounter. Now, speaking of relationship, this this is the uh, time together with. Um, we think about that relationship we have. I, I've been uh, saying to some folks today that you know we're celebrating what would have been his 128th birthday, but mm-hmm. in a sense. We can still give him birthday gifts by sure. offering our prayers for sure. uh, Archbishop Sheen and offering our prayers for all of the faithful departed. Could you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, I imagine that's a very special thing as the bishop of the diocese to be able to go over to the cathedral where the tomb is and, and to offer a prayer mm-hmm. uh, for, for this son of Peoria. Yeah. Prayer is, is such a powerful experience for those who are praying um, and those who are receiving those prayers, right? Um, I I tell people the, when they say, well, Bishop, what can I do for you? Pray for me. I need every prayer I can get, right? With the challenges we face in the church, in the world, in the diocese, um, and my own personal challenges, you know, I need every prayer I can get. And I appreciate every prayer I can get. And to uh, somebody up to the Lord and ask God's blessings upon him, we may never know how the Lord responds to that prayer. Um, but there's a benefit for that individual that we are praying for. And certainly, um, yes, it's great to be able to go over to our cathedral where the t- to say a prayer. In fact, there's every time I celebrate Mass there, as I walk out to celebrate Mass, I stop and I pause and I, 
I say a little prayer just to ask for his grace, you know, and his 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 guidance as I now serve as a bishop in in the diocese that he was was from. So, you know, the power of prayer is is just overwhelming and amazing and you know, it's something that everybody can give. Um, and it's, I would suggest, suggest it's probably the best gift anybody can give. I, I said this morning, I, I don't know, you know, but I trust that he is with our Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, if that's the case, then I'm pretty confident he'd be praying for us as well. Absolutely. And, you know, for you as a bishop, for me as a radio host, I, I often think if I had just a, an ounce of the grace and the talent mm-hmm. that he had for evangelization through the media, well, then I, I probably would be doing all right here on the radio. Yep. Yeah. yeah, indeed. And and I think, again, you know, that's that's where when we look to uh, whether it's Venerable uh, Fulton Sheen or whether we look to other saints in the tradition of the church, what do they give? They give an example of faithfulness, an example of prayer. Um, and, you know, yeah, we, we it's important to look at them and say, yeah, if I, I had just a, a, an ounce of his ability to evangelize on the radio today, as he did when he first started this whole endeavor, uh, we would be doing great indeed. But we're doing what we can, yeah. right? He did what he he was called to do, and he did it remarkably well. And if we're doing what we're called to do, we're 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 on that same path. And, and the beautiful thing is, we have access to the same font of grace that he did, he did every day through the Holy Mass, through the sacraments, through prayer. And what a wonderful thing it is, Bishop Tilka. I I want to thank you on behalf Absolutely. of our listeners for being with us and for opening up this space for us to do this live yeah. broadcast today. Can I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Sure. We ask the Lord to uh, reach out and, with the grace of the Holy Spirit, touch the lives of those who are listening to this program. Uh, may we always use that gift of the Spirit to do as we are called, especially following the example of Venerable Fulton Sheen and bringing others to a true and authentic encounter with Jesus Christ in their lives. And so may God bless you, the Father, the Son. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Bishop Tilka. We are going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about what you can do if you make a pilgrimage to Peoria to visit the tomb and the museum. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven live on the road in Peoria. Stay tuned for more. Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. We are back at the uh, the birthday party of the day here for Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, uh, broadcasting live from the Fulton Sheen Museum. I'm Adam Wright. You're listening to Covenant Network. I'm happy to be joined now. I remember the first time I came to the museum. It was a little over a year ago. I had come up to do an interview with the bishop, and I had some time before I had to get in the car and head back home, and someone said, well, have you been to the museum? I said, what museum? They said, down the hall, there's a museum of, of Fulton Sheen, and wow, am I glad that I took the time to walk down the hall and, and come to the museum. So for everyone listening today who's hearing about all of these things to do in Peoria, we've said museum, we've said tomb, uh, when we talk about making a pilgrimage, what are some of the places we can go to if we wanted to? I, I know many of our listeners could take a day trip up here to Peoria. Yes, um, we are offering um, 
by now a nice like a pilgrimage package actually um, many times a parish groups of maybe a busload or even more uh, can book a pilgrimage. Uh, for example, they can start in the cathedral. We can book a mass for them, either at the Bishop Sheen's tomb or at the main altar. Uh, they can uh, take a complete tour of the cathedral, which is very beautiful. And of course, this was uh, Fulton Sheen's home parish. Um, then after the tour, which may take about an hour or so, uh, they are welcome to come to the Spalding Pastoral Center, which houses the Fulton Sheen Museum. Um, we can uh, cater lunch for them, just simple box lunch, for example, or something more elaborate, depending on what they would like to have. Uh, along with the, we have a very good documentary about Fulton Sheen called Servant of All. Um, not just, you know, just to eat and do nothing, but they can have a nice movie along with the lunch. Uh, after the lunch, they can take a complete tour of the Fulton Sheen Museum um, along with the gift shop. So this is just very briefly uh, what they can do. Um, they they can learn a lot in the museum itself. Uh, we have several small mini displays in the museum, about a dozen of them actually, um, from the timeline of his life to uh, information about, about the cause to display about the men of the church or men of media, men of missions, or something about his childhood, early student years. So there is a lot to see and a lot to learn. So really, you, you could spend a, a day here in Peoria and you, you'd have a lot to do. Now, we're, we're in the museum right now, and I love, I, I, you know, this is, as we said earlier, his quote on radio. Radio is the Old Testament, hearing the word without seeing. So you, to see it, you have to come here. But um, some of the many exhibits, uh, Saint for Today, the, the woman I love, and I love this quote you, you provided here uh, from Archbishop Sheen. I was drawn to her before I knew her. She is not only the mother of those who are in the state of grace, but the queen of those who are not and how inspirational is that for all of us i i think of the other quote of uh, a picture with archbishop sheen with president carter and he said mr president mr carter fellow sinners and yes. you know that's all of us we're all sinners here so what are some of your favorites if, if someone comes to the museum and they say sister what what's one thing that you you think i should look at what's something you love to point out well one of the greatest um articles that we have is uh, maybe his first Holy Communion little prayer book, just a tiny little prayer book that he received from Father Kelly, um, cathedral priest when he was just a little boy. And actually Father Kelly was the first and only one who knew that little Fulton wanted to be a priest. He never told to anyone. Uh, this was his, his secret and he told Father Kelly and that was just beautiful that he had a bond with a priest uh, for whom he served in the cathedral so that's that's a beautiful uh, beautiful keepsake that we have on display. And then just around the corner from where we are there's a, a mock-up of his chapel so we can see what it was. Yes we have some beautiful items donated by his family uh, late John Sheen Cunningham and her son Paul uh, some of the items from his chapel, some of the vestments that he wore in his first parish, St. Patrick in Peoria. Also a very unique collection of uh, Byzantine items, uh, the Eastern Catholic Church. Uh, he was what we call bi-ritual for both rites, the Eastern and the Western. And uh, 
yeah, some of these things are some just very unique and not not too much known among the people. Now, I, I have to laugh because one of the things near where we are is, is a telephone, and someone was joking earlier that if he's if he's ever canonized, we'll have a first-class relic because there's likely some earwax of, of Bishop Sheen in the telephone. But, I mean, talking about some of these, these are all things that he's touched. So if, if he's declared a saint by the church, then I'd imagine that all of these articles in this museum take on even more significance then. I think so. Even now, these are, we can call them in a certain sense, really special relics, you know, not necessarily like first class relic or second class relic uh, to categorize them, but these are really special things. We do not have things here that look like from his time. These are things that he used or he gave to someone and that someone would give them to us because they would like to share what they receive from Fulton Sheen. So. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Now, we mentioned this display case earlier, but you're the postulator of the cause. So, again, some vice postulator. I'm, I'm promoting you here uh, because you're doing <laughs> no, such a great you. job on radio. Uh, th that's, a, that's another Catholic vocabulary word I, I should ask about. What is a postulator? What is a vice postulator? Well, the vice postulator is basically responsible for collecting um, stories from people who would like to add some of their testimonies, for example, meeting Fulton Sheen or how he helped them or how they prayed to him. And he, through his prayers, they obtain a grace from God, whether it is a spiritual grace of maybe conversion or families are reunited or even physical healing. So these are very important testimonies that gathered up. They provide a beautiful bulk of um, just a, like, a, like a big witness to His Holiness that God listens to His prayers. Do you have a favorite story? Yes. It's actually a local story of just close by in Morton. There is a gentleman who, now in his mid-80s, who was very unfortunately um, far away from his son, or better to say his son was far away from his father, from his from his parents for many years. And just shortly after Fulton Sheen came back to Peoria, his remains, um, this friend of ours, he went to pray to his tomb and just prayed very fervently for this estranged son. And uh, within a week or two, he got a phone call from him, very unexpected from far away state that he would like to meet with him and things were simply worked out and he is so happy about this he came to tell us right away like i i don't believe this is this is just a human working this is this is gift from god and i credit fulton sheen for his help so wow so and that's one of the things if you have an intention you can come pray at the tomb absolutely uh, we encourage people through, for example, through our newsletter, the notes from the blackboard, uh, to let us know if if they have any special intentions. We place them. We have a special special box for these intentions at the tomb of Fulton Sheen, and they are welcome to come and place it themselves um, at the at the tomb, or or we can do it. And these are these are beautiful, beautiful intentions that people entrust to the prayers of Fulton Sheen. All right, now this is probably the most important question I'm going to ask you. Uh, if they want to come up to Peoria to come to the museum or to go to the tomb, where can they go for more information or, or to contact you to find out about bringing a group here? 
uh, we invite them to visit the website of the Archbishop Sheen Foundation and the museum. It's called CelebrateSheen.com, and there is all the information about pilgrimage, about uh, lodging, about masses, or anything possible. If there is any question, there is, of course, the uh, email contact, info at CelebrateSheen.com, so they are welcome to contact us at any time. We are happy to welcome any groups or individuals or anyone who would like to learn about Fulton Sheen and happy to see you. All right. Well, I, that's a great website, CelebrateSheen.com. It's yes. very easy to remember. And maybe, you know, th that's something we can aspire to as we aspire to become saints, that one day people would celebrate us. Celebrate Sister Leia. <laughs> celebrate Adam Raduno. Celebrate all of the faithful, as far as I'm concerned. We're all called to be saints. Well, Sister, this has been absolutely wonderful. And I, I want to thank you again uh, for opening the doors of the museum to us today to have this very special live broadcast. Um, I, I want to make sure that you know, we've been so busy setting up. I need to take another walk around and, and take a look at everything and take some pictures. But this has been absolutely incredible. So thank you again for having us here today. Thank you very much. Well, that wraps up our broadcast here today from the Fulton Sheen Museum in Peoria, Illinois. It's, I'm telling you, it's worth the trip up here if you're looking for something great to do with the kids, the grandkids, the nieces, the nephews, you and your, your girlfriends, you and your guy friends, whoever it may be. Come on up and uh, make a little pilgrimage to Peoria, Illinois, where we have been broadcasting today. Um, and remember that we are all called to do this work in our own unique way, as Bishop Tilka reminded us. Uh, some are called to have television and radio programs, but we're all called to evangelize, just as Archbishop Sheen did. And so on this, his 128th birthday, we want to thank you for celebrating with us. Please continue to pray for this Catholic radio apostolate. Um, we certainly rely on your prayers as much as Archbishop Sheen relied on them during his time as well. For all of us here at Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Let's close out with a glory be in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as we end every broadcast reminding you the Blessed Mother would want you to do this, I feel confident in saying Archbishop Sheen would want you to do this too. Pray your rosary today. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. We now return you.